The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Uh, that was a nice morning pour, Sam. <laughs> it has a little 9.30 rosé. <laughs> Absolutely. So, hey, everybody. Welcome I, to the Wine Mixers. It's, I'm John It's rosé o'clock. It's rosé o'clock. Sorry, John. It's with Cold Bart, open. Bart Hanson, Sam Couture, and Brian Casey. Bart, would you like to introduce our special guest this morning, please? No, he doesn't. Sam. Sam. Sam's podcast. Uh. Well, as as PJ keeps calling him, and although he de- defers uh, the King of Cork, um, although like we said, 112 years ago Portugal got rid of uh, the monarchy, so he's the Prime Minister of Cork, <laughs> <laughs> Antonio Amram, uh, President, CEO, owner, family of uh, Amram Cork. Um, so if you've ever opened a bottle of 16600, um, that's an Amram Cork coming out of it. Uh, and lots of other products, lots of other uses. Um, but we're going to dig in, you know, we're going to be, we're going to become cork dorks today, John, because that's you a know, good thing. Yeah. You know, I, um, I know a little bit about our corks and how it happens. Um, but it's one of those things, you know, I think if you're in the wine business or a wine consumer, you sort of take for granted how that cork shows up there in that bottle. Um, and then all the other things that are happening and all the sustainability and recycling. And so we have a, we have a lot to learn today, John. And, and it's amazing how far corks have come, right? Right. Um, you know, the, the technology and um, qualitatively, you know, having nothing to do with cork taint, but even just, you know, the way you measure the quality of cork. I remember the first time I went to a cork factory and they had this very kind of rough computer that took a picture of every cork and counted every hole and the size of it, and then it went down a line and just kind of spit the corks into different bags. Um, it's amazing, amazing, and I'm sure it's come way farther than that. Yeah, so so I guess what we're saying is welcome to the show. Um, thank you for flying in, and and uh, you know I think one of the first things we should talk about is the the incredible transformation that corks have. Um, taken on in the last 30 years specifically for me from you know working in restaurants my entire life and and in the wine industry that in the 90s all of the talks seemed to be about the finite resource of cork and how um, we were going to use it up and we had to look for alternative closures whether it be glass or synth or um, screw caps Um, and then 30 years later how we're talking about this being one of the most sustainable products and not just being used in wine closures, but in flooring, in clothes, um, replacing polyurethane in refrigeration systems to one of my most intriguing ones that I don't know if you can speak to this today, but in uh, making yogurt at home. (laughs) (laughs) And how has this conversation just done a complete 180 from the 90s to now? Well, thank you for the opportunity to come and talk to you uh, uh, today. Uh, I mean, uh, cork is really a true gift from nature. I mean, uh, as you know, cork is simply the bark of an oak tree, which is the cork oak tree that takes uh, 25 years to give its first harvest. And then we harvest cork once every nine years from then onwards. Uh, taking about a cork tree, the lifespan is about 200 years. So every single cork tree can be harvested between 15 to 18 times throughout their uh, uh, lifetime. So uh, it's a unique species based on one specific geographical area, which is the Mediterranean Basin. 80% of the cork production is Portugal and Spain. Portugal, 50% of the world's cork production. Uh, 30% of the cork being produced in Spain and the rest uh, produced in Morocco, Algeria, and Tunisia. I've had a lot of people from this part of the world in California saying, uh, does, could cork be produced here? There are cork trees in California, so I think it could be produced here. 
But I don't think that anybody, anybody is patient enough to wait for 25, 30 or 40 <laughs> yeah. years for the return on their investment. That's yeah. why we have to do this on our part of the world, because we are the only patient people to wait <laughs> this long. I was going to say, it's, it's almost as gluttonous as the wine industry. I would right. wait. <laughs> well, there, there is, a, I don't know, I said this when you came in, um, There, at least when I was a kid, there was a couple of cork oak trees growing in the plaza in Sonoma. So... Definitely, it's something, you know, I don't know I'm sure how fruitful the, it would be. The, but on Carragher Road, there's a number of cork yeah. trees. I'm sure you have the, the right climate and soil, con soil conditions for right. cork trees to grow here. I just think we need to accelerate right. that initial uh, first uh, uh, harvest, which we are trying to do. There is research right. work that we are doing on the biological part of the plants that I believe we can one day come to a conclusion that we can accelerate that initial harvest, maintaining all always the interval cycle of nine years from then onwards. So what do you get from, from, from a cork tree? I mean, cork uh, basically uh, is mostly used for cork stoppers. To, still today, 70% of the cork value is cork stoppers, cork stoppers for wine bottles, for sparkling wine, and a growing business within the spirits premium industry. Cork can also be used for construction, interior decoration like flooring, wall tiles, insulation for houses, for, for as you said, cold, cold uh, uh, chamber. It can also be used for a variety of new uses from shoes, which is probably yeah. one of the most historical use for cork. Romans used to have used to wear cork uh, uh, to produce their sandals. Today you have the Birkenstocks. Mm -hmm all done with right, uh, right. cork, you have orthopedic shoes, you have uh, uh, insoles, you have sports shoes with Nike, for example. So that's another important use. Cork used for aerospace. I mean, uh, NASA discovered in cork a unique characteristic of being the product that they have tested that can resist the highest to temperature variation. So today we are clearly the largest supplier of cork for the satellite rocket launchers. I mean, this is the <laughs> fastest growing cork usage on, 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 the, on, the, on the planet at the moment. And for example, a company like SpaceX is the company in which we grew the most in the first uh, six months of 2022. And uh, uh, today we're also growing in Switzerland, in, in the UK, uh, and, and uh, elsewhere on, the, on this space uh, uh, program. So there is a unique uh, characteristic to cork. Every single uh, uh, cell, uh, every single cubic centimeter is composed of 40 million cells that basically are structured on a honeycomb. So 70% of the cellular composition of cork is air. That's why it's such a light. That's why it's such a, a, a compressible material. And that's why it has one of the unique characteristics why it goes into a bottleneck, which is the elastic memory. It can compress the bottle to go inside the, bo the bottle. It immediately expands, does the, doing a perfect sealing onto a wine or a sparkling wine uh, bottle. So, I mean, there is a lot that has been developed until now. We believe in our industry that there's still a lot more to be discovered in the future. But wine, sparkling wine and spirits is 70% of what we do today wow. in the cork industry. And who were the first people to actually put a cork in a wine bottle? Well, uh, there's a historical debate. There is some consensus about Dom Perignon. So cork exists for more than... 8,000 years, yeah. but as a closure, as a, as a stopper to go into a wine bottle, the consensus go to Dom Perignon being the first person. Cork was used to, 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 to as a lead for uh, amphors that used to transport wine. But uh, in a bottle, it was more recently. Dom Perignon tried to seal a champagne bottle with uh, a wood, stopper he was not able to with a textile stopper he was not able to stop the gas and the 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 the, the liquid from coming out yeah. it was only with a cork that uh, he was able to stop to to put a stopper on that uh, bottle of champagne so uh, there is uh, some debate but the consensus goes to Dom Perignon being the person that has uh, 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 that has converted cork into a stopper Okay, I heard it was the Egyptians way before then. But if you, if you want to give credit to Don Perignon, I think okay. yeah, I understand why. Credit. 
Hard no, to say. Hard to say no to Dom Perry. <laughs> it, it has to do also with with the glass development, mm. and uh, and uh, I doubt that uh, the Egyptians were already producing glass in those right, in those yeah, days. So it's a more recent development. There are people yeah. that say that is uh, about 150 years before Dom Perignon. There are some other historians that say that Dom Perignon was the was the first person to to. So a lot of the champagne history is also associated with the the cork more recent history. And what were they doing with cork before they were using it to, for, to put into bottles? Fishing net boys. Oh, sure. Uh, b cork beehives, where the bees make their uh, uh, honey because it's an insulated, uh, insulated uh, yeah. area. Cork was used as a raw material to insulate houses. There are right. old houses that have been used for uh, uh, insulation. Shoes, which is probably one of the most sandals in this case, mm -hmm. one of the most historic uh, uh, uses for for cork. So those are some of the of the most referred in uh, the uh, bibliography yeah, history. And and so let's get to your family. How yeah. when did your family first start in the industry? In 1870, with my great grandfather. He basically made uh, a partnership with a local uh, wealthy family, him being the, the working uh, uh, part of that family. He was the, 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 the cork expert producing cork for the port wine bottles. So uh, mm. he started in 1870 on his own, on his own at, a, at the production workshop to produce cork stoppers for the local port wine uh, companies. 30 something years later, that uh, joint venture basically broke. He, he, he came uh, to, um, to his uh, original birthplace where he created a small company with two workers also making cork stoppers. And it was only with the second generation. With two workers? With two workers. Okay. So the, and they're <laughs> basically like stamping them out by hand? Yes. They, they were basically making uh, from a cork plank a square, carving the square into a cylinder and uh, supplying those uh, corks to the port uh, wine uh, historical cellars that still right, are right. there in, uh, in, in Porto. And then he, he came and he had two workers, but he had, at the age of 54, he married a lady with 21 and they had nine children. Three of those children migrated to Brazil where they have set up cork stoppers facility, one in Sao Paulo, the other in Rio de Janeiro. So the, the basically the job of the company was to supply the port wine cellars that were 20 miles away, but also supplied the raw material for the ch uh, children of the second generation that have migrated. So uh, the mother was making sure that the best cork was going to these guys. So they did, they did very, very well in Brazil, um, uh, 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 separating themselves with time from their brothers and sisters in Portugal. And uh, uh, they started to open a much wider, much larger company in 1922 already with two or three hundred workers, with a canteen, with medical assistance. So in those days, that was already a, a right. bigger scale company. Then the third generation, which is normally the one that kills the business in our part, <laughs> in our family, was the one that has expanded the business. So well, congratulations on that. Uh, I mean, that's uh, that's that's something that uh, that happened from the late 50s to the 60s. So we started for every single kilo of cork, 25 kilos is cork stoppers. The rest is what we used to call a byproduct, a subproduct that we used to export at the time to the largest uh, cork corporation in the world, which was an American company based out of from Lancaster called Armstrong Cork oh, yeah. Company that is still today exists. They, they don't do cork anymore. They are a large flooring and company. ceiling manufacturer that had 14 uh. manufacturing units in Catalonia. So we were exporting all these byproducts to one of their facilities in Catalonia for them to make several other uh, cork products. And from the 1960s, we start reusing those cork uh, byproducts into flooring, into insulation, into underlayment, into other types of uh, uh, cork stoppers. So the, the industrial growth of the company basically takes uh, uh, over in, 20, in 1960s, 70s and 80s. The 80s, from the late 80s, we start to take control of our own distribution. We set up companies in Napa Valley, in Bordeaux, in, uh, in the Prosecco area, in Germany, in Australia, in South Africa, in Argentina, in Chile. So we started to do the, ex the international expansion of the company. But then in 2000, there was a very big earthquake in the cork industry. Plastic stoppers came in. Yeah. 
aluminum screw caps came in yeah. and uh, you know that was a very challenging time to all of us that i believe that was a decisive time every single time we have had a challenge we have converted it into opportunity and this is really what has made this company be in this business for over 150 years this year we celebrate 153 years of history of uh, of, of the company 153 years from 153 years ago they were hand carving them to now they're in f elon musk spacex rockets that's uh, that's wild so yeah. i mean that's as far as we have to figure that those early corks that were hand carved there probably wasn't a lot of thought putting into the differences in between the corks. I mean, like like grading the corks, grading the corks. Yeah. So the technology has changed immensely because anyone who's ever tried to um, put a, a cork in a newly bottled wine, you know how hard it is to get it back into it, or how hard right. it is to force a cork into a bottle. So those early ones were hand carved enough that they could squeeze them in, but they didn't have the resiliency. I mean, there must have been a lot of leakers. It, it must have been a, a higher fail rate, correct? I mean, at the time, the technology was not uh, yeah. as... as it, and this is not a negative thing, yeah, but this yeah. is how much the technology has changed. I mean, at what point did they really start to identify the quality of the corks and the technology there to have less loss? Um, and better seal. I mean, everything the people knew at the time was to grade uh, the, the the corks to make sure that you would select the corks the corks against uh, 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 from the level of porosity, which is still today valid for the natural high end stoppers. The less porous, the better density you have in the corks, the more high end because uh, that cellular structure allows the cork to perform better on wines that need to age with time and that uh, and that uh, uh, air tightness i mean cork releases that it's natural air when it squeezed to go uh, in the bottle those things were not known at at, at the time uh, those things people in order to make the cork insertable into the bottle they were wetting the cork right. but when you squeeze it all that humidity mm. that you have added on basically is released onto the onto the wine i mean today in the last uh, 30 or 40 years things have been done completely uh, differently so cork has clearly a physical mechanical role assuring that the wine does not come out of the bottle but on the very high end wines we also have a, a role in making sure that that chateau margot from 2000 that is going to be bottled in 2002 and parker is is going to say this wine is ready to start to be uh, 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 tasted from 2008. And what is the role of our cork in the improvement of uh, that wine that for six years changed to the better due to also the cork? So that's the kind of thing that today we are studying, researching. We have winemakers, we have PhD people that uh, uh, bring science to this uh, natural gift of uh, nature, which is uh, cork, making sure that everything that uh, cork does can be explained and can be mastered from our production point of view. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to understand is at some point, you guys really got a handle on the quality point. Was that in, I mean, that was obviously probably started in Europe because the American wine industry was very, very small. Um, it, it must have been in the 50s, 50s, the 60s? Yes, 50s run by uh, three levels of people, French, German, and uh, Dutch people at the time that really made substantial improvements on what we call the surface coating and the bleaching of those uh, corks because corks used to be bleached with chlorine. Today they are bleached with peroxide, hydrogen peroxide, making sure that those corks were disinfected, that uh, their microbiological level was was fit to purpose and uh, uh, this was done by the germans the french and the Got dutch it. people in the late 40s 50s and that was a huge upgrade more recently the issues have not been so much on physical mechanical has been on sensory and this is really when we started to put also resources uh, uh, experts science behind uh, uh, technology behind uh, practices making sure that we were improving the quality the reliability the performance of the corks that we were putting out uh, in the market that has been the work of the last 15 20 years yeah, cool thank you
Thank you. Well, and for those listeners out there that, that aren't um, in the wine industry, let's explain TCA for people so they understand, because I think that was where you made some of the most, probably the biggest advance. And I think according to you guys have basically eliminated um, TCA in corks. Um, and, and kind of explain what it is for people and so they know. I think people, a lot of people have heard the term corked, um, but I still, um, opening wine at a lot of different tables, find that people don't know exactly what that means. TCA is a molecule that creates a sensory deviation uh, in the cork or other materials uh, uh, that you have, uh, uh, not only cork. It's formed by a metabolization of free chlorine that is everywhere with mold. Uh, that creates the pre pre uh, uh, um, uh, decessors of a TCA that can generate into TCA. It can come directly from the forest. It can be generated throughout the production process. That's why we need to have an extensive uh, uh, corrective uh, uh, measurements uh, that we need to 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 put in place from the forest to from the bark, as we say, to the bottle. So. And, and it's such a, 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 a potent um, off flavor. It's not harmful to people's health at all, but it creates a negative, uh, unpleasant uh, feeling when you're tasting a bottle uh, of wine. And we have basically spent the last uh, 15 years trying to uh, trying and I think that uh, uh, coming to terms with it, making sure that we would be removal, removing TCA from any uh, cork if TCA was to be there or to be formed. So today we have clearly technology, we have practices, we have quality control uh, procedures. A lot was helped by uh, a lab in, a, in California called ETS. They were the first ones that uh, developed um, uh, we'll, we'll get some. We'll get uh, the burns on here, Gordon. Yeah. Gordon, yeah, yeah. That yeah. That, that is that, clearly a good guest. Uh, 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 wine laboratory, very credible. That has has developed at the beginning of two thousand system that allowed us to measure TCA, the releasable TCA that could be imparted into a bottle of uh, of wine, and from the moment you set a figure and you start telling how people are sensitive to this figure until you get to zero, there is no stoppage. And that's what we have done over the last uh, few years. Uh, improve the manufacturing pro uh, practices throughout the production process, introducing technology that could uh, uh, volatilize, vol uh, make, make a TCA uh, uh, volatile, and the index Merck says, that uh, TCA is volatile with uh, steam. So we've been using temperature steam to uh, remove and get rid of uh, TCA. Quality control practices, a lot of wineries in this country have for many, many years used the services of companies like ETS to make sure that every single lot they were bringing in was uh, uh, fitting in the criteria that was uh, uh, set at the time by, by ETS today. I don't think this is any longer necessary because the industry almost as a whole has clearly mastered the the, the TCA um, uh, the TCA issue. I mean, it's a natural product. We will get 100% security. We will get a fair amount of security, which is absolutely acceptable. But 20 years ago, we had levels that were not commercial commercially uh, or business uh, acceptable. And those had to be corrected. But, but why it, was, I'm sorry, wh why was that? Because if, if, if basically the remedy was steam, why wasn't someone addressing that or using the, that process earlier? Uh, I mean, um, you never, you were confronted with a higher degree of problems with a huge market growth that we had in the in the 90s. I mean, a country like America in 1990 was using 550 million corks. A country like America in uh, 2000, 10 years later, was using 1.6 billion corks. Wow. So those are the type of uh, of uh, of growth in Australia. 
1990, 110 million corks. In 2000, 1 billion corks. So this level of demand was not was too fast, and yeah. the, the production systems in place probably did not control this level of growth as it should have been. So, yeah, I mean, it's research and technology, right? It's Is research it and development. Uh, practices right. that probably solve 70% of uh, any deviation that we talk about, but that's not enough. We need technology. Steam is clearly one way of doing it. There are more recent uh, methodologies like supercritical for other type of industrial technological stoppers that can also be used, but today the issue of TCA is something that the industry has dealt with. And, and remember, there have been wineries who have gotten TCA in their winery and it had nothing to right, do nothing with the to cork. Do with the cork. Like Be in the Hanzel, barrels. Hanzel had yeah. a problem where it was in the cellar, and 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 it made the wine industry change their practices. You know, wood pallets and chlorine in the same place yeah. gets TCA growing. It gets in the air. It gets in the barrels. It gets it, it's in the it's walls. I, I know that, but you know, I always rejected to uh, assume that argument. In our on yeah. our behalf, because that meant that we were finding excuses not to do anything. Yeah. And uh, the the day that we still find uh, contaminated cork with TCA inside our facilities that have ne never touched a winery, a winery floor, we have a problem. Right. The day we can solve this problem within our own facilities, then it's going to be somebody else's problem because yeah. Yeah. you are completely right. TCA is not exclusive to cork you find it in fruit you find it in wood you find it in construction wood so you find it in in barrels there is a lot of of, uh, of uh, possibilities if you've ever been to a uh, flea market in mexico and you walk through the leather area you know where the leather mm. jackets are you walk through and you go oh that's corked and that's corked yeah. I and mean, there's tca everywhere. I, it's not corked it's TCA, right? It's yeah, thank you. But, but, you know, but, but we say we say those of us that experience, know, you go, oh, that leather jacket must be corked. No, I've had like iced tea at a restaurant that tastes like TCA, I, I, and I, I think it probably lives in the ice machine. I'm not really sure like how that happens, but it also, you know, anywhere that chlorine is used, it can volatilize and form TCA, right? I was at a restaurant in Kenwood. And someone that shall remain us. nameless. No, you could say it. It was the old Kenwood restaurant, okay. and um, a salesperson bought us a bottle of tequila for our table, and it was corked, mm. and it was corked so you know it had TCA so bad it was amazing. Like we kind of joked about that for years, but it, but again, it, it's it, it's everywhere. But you know, the, the important thing is that this is not a, a, a consumer debate. This is a debate for professionals. I mean, there was a UK supermarket that asked. Uh, their consumers uh, about uh, TCA uh, and people were finding TCA in uh, screw cap bottles, in plastic stop bottles, in uh, in Tetra Pak. So this is not a, a, an issue to be technical, discussed and debated with consumers. This is an issue for professionals in the wine industry. There are a lot of very, very good professionals, very good professional labs. We have also our uh, scientists working in our research and development departments. And if you keep the discussion amongst them, we came to the solution and to bring the levels of uh, TCA, whatever that might odd bottle, still be there to a very, very low level. So today, this is not an issue anymore. There are other issues that will need to be to be discussed in the future. Oxygen permeation. Uh, there are other things, but uh, this one, I think that the cork industry has done an enormous job. But, you know, this is not a proof of intelligence. We had no other option. Right. It's right. a question of survival. Either we did this or we will not exist in the future. And this was done. Right. And, and, and for our listeners, um, those of you who have listened to a lot of shows, you've heard our um, guests talk about how they've moved away from traditional cork. But that argument is not because of TCA. Their argument is, as you said, oxygen permeation, and, and they're finding that. And, and again, I think we're very much on a learning curve with that, where we were with TCA um, 20 years ago. Was that a fair um, Yeah, statement? I think so. I mean, there are several elements. I mean, uh, 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 the, the, the type of wine, mm -hmm. um, if the wine is to be uh, consumed relatively quickly, uh, you probably do not need a, a very high-end natural stopper today. We have very reliable, absolutely bulletproof uh, solutions within 
technical corks that can give a reliable uh, uh, cork. TCA is no longer an issue on these types of, uh, of, of corks. So um, I don't think that you need uh, to spend too much. There is also some budget limitations, namely on the, the large uh, scale companies, because when they sum all the millions and millions of corks that they use, that makes big budget. So today we offer a wide variety of corks for that can fit in different wine segments. And I think that's that's a great thing for wine people because they can choose from the various segments. And the good thing is that we have different price points. We have different performance features. Uh, we have uh, different guarantees that we can give on the different corks. Our objective is always to meet the expectations of the people producing the wine because they act on behalf of the final consumers. Uh, since we've had so many people on the show talking uh, about the the benefits of technical corks and, and from from high end wines to to you know more drink now kind of wines, um, I maybe just I'm a purist. I don't like the designated hitter. I, you know, I, I like I like natural corks on my wine. Um, will you? Just speak to that side of the argument a little bit, like why am I right <laughs> in, in not wanting to um, go to a technical cork? I mean, a, a, a technical cork is certainly a cork that performs very well. It meets, it meets all the expectations that you as a, as a winemaker, as a, as a, a wine company, uh, have for a certain typology of wines. But uh, uh, the great wines of this world are mostly sealed with uh, natural corks. Those are wines that uh, are supposed to age, to evolve with uh, time. And natural cork, due to its integral cellular structure, is clearly the cork that allows for that improvement to happen better uh, 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 in a wine. There is no... Uh, uh, type of uh, binders used is a pure natural cork and we believe that for a certain segment of the high-end wines that you can control the moment in each, which you're going to sell them but difficultly you can control the moment that you they are going to be finally drunk and uh, and uh, you want to go back to your 20 year old bottle that you have at home and have that unique feeling and natural cork is probably the only cork closure that can give you this uh, this uh, fantastic sentiment over time yeah. so i would say that uh, natural corks clearly have a fundamental role on wine segmentation being the right closure for the super premium ultra premium and the iconic wines that you have on this planet yeah i mean one of the things that i hadn't really thought about until you talked about it um is you know everybody talks about these the, the technical corks the composite corks being you know uh, that they know exactly how much oxygen is exchanged, but with a natural cork this sort of beehive structure mm -hmm. that's in there it it makes no sense to me to destroy that structure right. and then try and put it back together when it's like this perfectly created by nature formed right. magical thing. Right? But due to the microcellular structure of the cork. Uh, clearly, these technological technical corks they fit in their job perfectly, right, right. perfectly well because uh, because uh, as I said, every cubic centimeter is forty million cells. So within those granules, you still right, find right. a lot of those cells that get give that elastic memory that have that air inside their cellular structure, but it's not the same. Once once I was talking to a Swarovski family member. And, you know, they make crystals. Yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. They make crystals. Just yeah. talking to a Swarovski family member. And somebody member. one day said, but uh, Mr. Swarovski, but uh, you're trying to say that crystals are diamonds? And they say, no, 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 of course not. Diamonds are for royalty. The rest of the market is for us. And I think with natural cork is a little bit the same. I mean, natural cork is for these high-end wines these exquisite wines these wines that are really going that they are making the headlines of the wine industry in my point of view technical corks is for everything else right. but today everything else is more important than 
the there are many more people in the world than royalty if you see what i mean so right. the big chunk of the market within corks are clearly technical corks but never forget one thing one business is an aspirational business not everybody has a screaming eagle or but everybody would love would love to, one, to have yeah. a screaming eagle one day not everybody has tasted a screaming eagle but everybody wants to taste a screaming eagle one day and that's the kind of thing that you have in the wine in the wine in the wine business so i think that that cork can play in a fundamental role on that wine evolution over time and different corks bring different uh, evolutions to the to the wine so it's a good thing to have because today there is an option there are different closures technology segments price points and i think that we can really do our job which is to supply the whole of the wine industry and we have corks that go from six cents to six dollars a piece so i mean this is quite a, i don't feel so bad at my price right now <laughs> this is quite a, 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 a i would say a democratic product because we work with all social classes that you may you may you may have in the market is that what they call the mirror top corks the some of them but uh, difficult to to make those uh, mirror and corks like mm -hmm. romani conti and all that because it's you know out of a floor grade you probably get six seven percent of those corks so i mean we, we we basically have a very very limited availability of these corks yeah who who gets those corks i mean um uh, who buys those corks? america on average the californian market on average is probably the market worldwide where we supply the better uh, uh the better natural corks but then you always have within france the the grand cru the the burgundy top wines that probably take some of the best corks uh, mm -hmm. out there but then you have uh, in brunello in barolo in amarone also some uh, 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 great wine so i mean what we call uh, there was this segmentation a few years ago the iconic wines i mean every single country has their iconic uh, uh, wines but on average america has a pretty good uh, um, range of corks coming onto this part of the of the world, yeah. no doubt about that. So we're not going to start using six dollar corks, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're beautiful though. I don't know if I you've ever seen them before. But I don't know. Now I got now I do need to find one though. <laughs> yeah. But Brian, the problem is Brian, a six dollar cork. Ex explain this mirror. <laughs> well, well, and that's what I was going to ask if we could go back to the process because yeah. it's it's um, those particular corks are a part of the process where you're getting them hand punched out. Now I always, I, I always remember. So there's a lot of people that don't know how corks are made. I, I think I probably thought when I was younger that they would go up to a tree with like a cylindrical punch drill and, and pull these little plugs out. Um, and, and that's sort of how it's done, but will you explain yep. the so, process of, of how they're actually getting the bark off the tree and, and then the, the process of getting it to the factory and the processing? So a cork, thank you for the question. I think that's a good opportunity to yeah. try to let you know how things are done. Um, the cork is, a, as I said, an oak tree that has a very specific characteristic. It develops a sap on the outer part of the bark that basically runs for spring and a little bit in autumn time. Throughout summer and winter, the tree basically hibernates. When, I, when the tree hibernates, this sap is converted from liquid to solid, becoming another cork layer for the cork. That's why we can only harvest the cork in springtime, because in springtime mm -hmm. there is a detachment between the wooden part of the tree and the cork itself. And that's the only time of the year in which we are able to harvest the cork. So the cork is harvested until today manually, and we bring planks out of that part. So we basically remove the skin of the tree in rectangular uh, uh, planks, that we bring in-house, we basically store those corks for an average of 12 months. The, the, the corks that are harvested in June 2022, the initial part are only going to be used from January 2023, and the final cork of 2022 by December of 23. So we have an average period of storage of 12 months, being the first cork six months and the last cork 18 months. 
Throughout this period of time, the cork is going to lose a lot of these physical tensions because it was on a concave phase for nine years on, on a tree. So we're going to flatten this out. And the first indu industrial process that we're going to do is to boil the cork. Yeah. Boil the cork with clean water at 98 or 90 percent uh, uh, Celsius temperature in order to uh, 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 make sure the cork becomes more flexible to disinfect the cork. Because you are bringing hot water, you make the cork become flat because it becomes the cork more flexible. Right. Then you're going to grade the cork according to thickness and to grade. Grade is defined by the level of porosity that you have in the cork. Different grades are used for different uh, uh, uses of uh, applications of cork. For example, a thin cork. We make natural cork discs that we, we use on the champagne corks. The thicker cork, we, uh, we make uh, 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 corks that are going to go for red and white wine uh, uh, bottles. So we grade that those those corks, the ones that are suited for natural cork stoppers. We're gonna slice them in in bands, and we're gonna perforate with a, a metal device to make sure that you get that uh, hole being done on that cork band. So then we're going to use those corks to select them from a visual point of view. Once, twice, three times, hand select for the very, very high-end uh, uh, corks. We're going to bleach part of them or not in peroxide, hydrogen peroxide in order to disinfect those corks again. And then we're going to export them to our companies in Napa Valley, where we are going to print those corks with the name of the winery and put eventually the ear of the wine that those corks are sealed. And we do the surface coating, which is a, a silicon paraffin or a beeswax uh, 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 surface coating and deliver this to the wineries. Yeah. What do we do with the other 75% of the cork that is not cork stoppers? We're gonna grind them and obtain granules. The low specific weight granules we can make technical cork from the heavy specific weight granules we use for flooring or as an infield for uh, uh, turf uh, fields america is our biggest market for for that replacing recycled rubber recycled rubber can release some right. some fumes uh, cork is a natural product and keeps the temperature down throughout summertime so that's oh, another use right. for for cork so uh, as 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 um, as somebody said, nothing is wasted. Everything is transformed. Everything is used in our in our in our cork applications and and uh, and and uses for stoppers, for flooring, for other materials as we have discussed before. So, in a very small compressed way, that's basically the production process that uh, we have. It sounds simple. Probably we are the ones that make it a lot more complicated than this. But uh, but um, but, uh, but you skipped over. It. I well, mean, you went through an important part of it. But when talk about harvesting by hand, yeah. and I want to I want to talk about the farming in general because I, I think that right. that's um, a that's my shtick here. Uh, but also, this is an agricultural product, right? I mean, we talked about you know it's, there is year to year variation. There's year, but it's also like how do you know so. A describe the groves or the forests that that you're growing, you're farming, um, and then you know, like, how do you know when it's time to harvest? Like, I mean, you know, we're going out and we're measuring the bricks and, and you know sugars on our on our grapes, but how do you know when that sap flow is right to go and, and pull that when bark you off? Follow the weather conditions. Normally, this coincide with the with the last week of May, with the first week of June, depending on the on the year. For example, last year was a difficult year for 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 harvesting because we had a severe drought in Europe, and like this year, we had plenty of rain coming coming through. So we we should be in for a very very good harvest in 2023. But uh, when we see that the tree is already starting its biological cycle, it can be harvested. Okay. So that's basically, that normally happens until the 10th, 12th of uh, June and lasts until the end of July, first two weeks of, uh, of, uh, of August in, in, in Europe. So that's the, the right uh, time for us to, to harvest the cork. It's still a very manual operation. 
Uh, we do it with an axe. We're trying to, uh, same way as it was done 250 years ago. Uh, we, we are introducing new technology to make sure that we increase the productivity of, uh, of that part of the production. So it needs to be executed still today with very, very qualified people, but uh, very well paid. I mean, probably one of the, one of the best paid pro professional agricultural jobs that we have in the whole of, uh, of, uh, of Europe. Um, uh, and that, th those skills are important because with an axe, you need to cut the cork but not harm the tree. tree. Right. Because if you harm the tree, then that tree is going to have trouble on regrowing its new cork layer for the following or uh, susceptible to moisture or exactly. insects or exactly yeah. nine, nine, nine years. So that's why it's such a sensitive part. Yeah. Normally, we ask the cork growers to uh, be responsible for the harvesting themselves because the assets, the trees, they belong to them. So I uh, don't want to be responsible for uh, the harvesting of the cork. They should take care of it in their own way because I'm not there harvesting the cork myself. I need to hire somebody. So that becomes difficult to control. So we prefer that the, the cork growers harvest the cork themselves. We do. Uh, how does the evaluation of the cork? We don't pay all the cork at the same price. If the cork allows me to make a lot of $6 cork stoppers, I can pay more for that cork. Right. If the cork does not allow me to make so much $6 cork, and I only can make technical cork or flooring with it, then I cannot pay so much. So we evaluate the cork according to the grade. How do we evaluate the grade? We go before harvesting and we cut our own people with an axe a square. So we have a... Um, a software program that tells us where to pick up the samples on each uh, cork forest that we have all mapped out in our computers, in our cellular phones. We, we are going to take a small uh, sample. We're going to evaluate that sample. And after we take samples from all the trees that we have to, um, to identify, then we can uh, uh, engage into a uh, negotiation and into a, a discussion with a cork grower. Of course, every single grower has the best cork on planet Earth, <laughs> which is absolutely normal. And uh, we can never say that they do not have, but we need to bargain the price according to the quality evaluation we have estimated for his uh, uh, harvest or for his property. Are there, are there different, uh, land is different where you're growing these trees. Yes. You, can you can you tell can you look at the land and kind of decide what sort of corks you're going to get there? Does the grower's reputation come into that? Um, does the environmental um, changes every year come into those? All decisions? of that needs to to be put in the, into perspective, and there is a, a, an additional element which is the age of the tree. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you have a, a, a tree that is 60, 70, 50, 80 years old the thickness of that cork should be higher. The trees are much more vigorous than mm. they, if they are 180 years that you get a lot more thin cork. So the age of the tree is absolutely critical. The type of, of the soil, so we have sandy soils uh, with a huge drainage. We have uh, uh, other types of argile soils that do not have such a uh, 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 good uh, 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 drainage. So all of that is taken into the density of the trees right. that uh, that uh, that you have, the size of each tree that you you have. So all of that, and it's also important to have the past historical data right. because uh, we have a, a database that goes back to 1957 on all the Portuguese and Spanish cork uh, uh, growers. So we know exactly on the cork that we bought nine years ago, what were the production yields that we got on that cork? So sometimes yeah. it's a question of us confirming because with climate change, that cork might change within the next nine years of growth. And we need to validate that. But normally when you have good sound uh, uh, trees, uh, you, you're going to have better cork uh, uh, every single time and you're going to be able to pay more for that cork than the other ones that are not so good. But there kind of is a sweet spot with the trees in in the age. Otherwise, yes. when they get older, they're not as productive. No. Um, yeah. No. And at so some point, you say, okay, it's time to pull this 
This no, it's forbidden by law to cut cork trees. Okay. So this is good. I think we yeah. should talk about regulation it's by the government. It's forbidden by law okay. to cut cork trees because yeah. the idea that our governments have is the following. Today in Portugal and Spain, 95% of the forest that exists was not man-planted. It's what we call the conservation forest. So natural regeneration happening with the birds, with the uh, uh, local fauna having a big role on the uh, um, new cork trees. Over 100 different species. Exactly, there, yeah. exactly. So we are one of the few hotspots of biodiversity in the world. The 35th or the 36th biggest hotspot of biodiversity oh. is the cork uh, 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 forest. Oh. So uh, it is clearly uh, uh, an area that uh, probably we need to improve with science later but what we have today is the result of uh, of 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 this so the density is not the same everywhere because uh, uh, nature does not work the density the of the, of the trees of the trees is not sometimes uh, you have uh, 100 trees sometimes you have 150 sometimes you have 50 trees per hectare because unlike vineyards that are planted one after the other that is called a production forest we believe that we clearly need to continue our conservationist role, but we need to blend that with some uh, human planted forest, what we call a production forest. Today is 95, five. 95 mm. conservation, five production. Wow. Probably in the next 10 years, it's going to be 87, 13. And that's it. That would be a, be a very good balance. Yeah. But you know, these trees allow avoid the the advancement of the desertification because these trees need to have very solid root structures to defend themselves over 200 years of life span so uh, uh, and they are for example a country like tunisia the desert stops where the cork forest starts okay, so that's the kind of thing that uh, the, this is our trees that are not in need of a lot of water 400 to 600 millimeters of water is enough to feed these trees. These trees are, there is a, 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 a Portuguese scientist that said that no other tree gives so much demanding so little. And this is really a fantastic summary of what cork uh, trees uh, uh, are. So how can we face the future of, uh, of cork production? Clearly, I believe that we still need to support uh, this uh, uh, level of conservation forests and everything is natural regrown. We probably need to complement this with 10 or 12% of production forests in which we're going to have a much higher density. And clearly, we need more cork to supply, to supply the growing demand for such a natural, sustainable material. Cork. For every single ton of cork produced, it captures 73 tons of CO2. Holy crap, say that again. For every single ton of cork produces, it captures 73 tons of CO2. No. So every single cork product has a negative carbon footprint. That wow. tree is there day and night absorbing capturing co2 and because the tree is never cut it doesn't stop capturing for 200 years there's your reason for using corks you, yeah, you didn't totally. need the, uh, the rest no, and, and what's interesting is the age of the tree and the the um, density or thickness of the corks so you can imagine families that have um, that are farming uh, harvesting forests where the trees are getting older maybe they're in that sweet spot for one of their generations for their family and they're getting paid top dollar for it but then as the trees are getting older maybe then they're getting paid less and then they have to wait until the forest sort of regenerates until so you can almost see like a cycle but they don't have to wait the the natural regeneration is happening the whole time Corks yeah. produce acorns right. every year. Some of these acorns are going to produce new trees. What do you need to be careful? You cannot put a lot of cattle inside that forest because if you produce a lot of cattle, they're going to eat all the acorns and they're going to eat mm. all the young saplings. Right. So you need a low uh, uh, use, usage of 
cattle inside those uh, cork forests. Otherwise, you're not going to have natural regeneration. So what people seek is to have on the cork valuation the compensation for uh, abdicating from other uh, types of uh, uses that could also bring them additional uh, revenue. So right. uh, pressure on the on the on the valuation of cork, namely on the valuation of the better quality cork. I, I mean, it's like the barrel industry in that um, mm -hmm. they have to farm the piece of property if there's diseased trees. Um, they need, I would imagine, they have to be removed. Um, if there's trees that are growing the wrong way, they have to they have to be there to make sure it doesn't interfere with an older tree. Um, is that all kind of correct? It is very correct, but you cannot do that on your own. You need official services to come in to evaluate that the situation is as you've just is described needed. it in order for what we call the sanitary cut of the corks correct. to be allowed. Right. If you are caught cutting uh, cork trees illegally, you cannot have another usage for that ground for dozens of years, you can be put in jail, which has happened already in our mm -hmm. country. So it is a, protect a protected species. Yeah. There was a huge investment on years and years and years of those farmers, of the, of the, of the, of the forest owners, to, to let these trees grow. Once they are productive, you cannot really them when they are at the end of their life uh, time there are diseases that might affect one or two trees of course that you need to remove them as quickly as possible otherwise it could contaminate other neighboring trees yeah i mean th that regulation is incredibly important you know for for what you guys do um that regulation also defines when can a cork tree start it to be harvested. So at 1.3 meters height, yep. it needs to have a perimeter of 70 centimeters to be allowed to be harvested. Okay. Otherwise, you pay also heavy fines if you are caught harvesting too, too much uh, young trees because the cork is not suitable yet for uh, production. And when did the government take over that regulation? When did they start that? 2000 and... Uh, Oh. Well, this regulation was, uh, was, was existing for a very long time. 2001 was the year in which it was much reinforced. That's really interesting. That seems so late. Um, but it also, I mean, it kind of like all coincides with the challenges that you were talking about and, and the, the sort of um, the challenges, the, the challengers to, to cork, right, yeah. with all the screw tops and the plastics and, and, and also 20 years ago, we were way more worried about TCA in corks. Right. But that problems have all sort of been cleaned up, seems like, in the last you know, 25, but 30 years. But this legislation was also a response. We come from a small country in which we have every year a substantial amount of forest fires. The mm -hmm. hottest area of the country is where we have the cork trees. So mm -hmm. it's supposed to be the area with more fires. It's clear the only area of the country where there are no fires because the yeah. cork tree is the only tree that is adapted to the local soil and climate other fastest growing trees like pines or eucalyptus they are the ones that generate yeah. all these forest fires so the government wants clearly a much larger investment in cork trees that are local that there is an industry that is where portugal is a global world leader rather than to invest in other uh, forest species that are going to have as consequence fires and uh, and uh, sometimes deaths of people and uh, and uh, and destruction of homes and, and things like that so cork is clearly the um, tree species that represents uh, 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 portugal and i think this is very very important it was probably the only unanimous decision taken in the last 30 years in our parliament because uh, having a parliament to decide something unanimously yeah. is very, very difficult. Yeah. And the cork tree, to be the symbol of our country, has been probably the last unanimous decision taken in Portugal. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, how important is the cork industry to Portugal? I mean, uh, it's a small industry everywhere. I mean, uh, compared to the big scale companies that you have in your country and the big scale operation, we're talking about globally probably an industry that is 1.7, 1. Point. But, but for Portugal? For like Portugal, we, we, we produce... We have 33% of the land with cork trees worldwide that produces 50% of the total cork worldwide. And we manufacture in Portugal probably 75 to 80% of the cork 
worldwide. So you're talking about an industry that has a global export value of 1.2, 1.3 billion dollars with a global market cap, if you can say, uh, just slightly below 2 billion dollars. That's the final consumer price that you have for some uh, 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 car products uh, with transport, with distribution, with uh, with all that. So, I mean, it's a small industry that represents three or four percent of our total exports. But, you know, it's an industry where we are different from everybody I'm else. So proud of it. Uh, I mean, think about those headlines, Sam. Napa Valley Cabernet grapes pulled out for cork trees. Yes, yeah, Sam, I think you need to start an, an initiative here. Plant more cork trees? Absolutely. Well, cork and a, they're cork fireproof. Cork and agave? Yeah. Right, cork ready. and agave? <laughs> pulling out Cabernet and planting cork and agave? Look, I mean, I mean, you know, we could plant, I could plant cork trees, but uh, most likely it'll be Althea that's harvesting them, right? You know, but you also right, need right. to have the idea that some, some of those trees exist that allow for a business to 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 be there today so it's probably our obligation and amarim we invested in 20,000 acres of uh, um, forest areas to take advantage of the existing trees but to plant more trees over the next five years we're going to be planting 1.5 million cork trees in those 20,000 uh, uh, acres so for us it, uh, we have a research and development program going forward also on the biological part of the plant. How can we make sure, how can, what can we do? Uh, you, you do clonal selection of, yeah. uh, of vines. How can we do the same for cork trees, make them more resistant to climate change, give them better quality of, uh, of cork? So there's a huge program that we have and we are engaging in that I believe it's absolutely crucial for a product that is clearly in higher demand, not only for wine, sparkling and spirits, but also for the other uses that we have in the world. So there is a demand. Demand is due to the performance of the product and is due to the sustainability credentials of the product. Yeah. A cork stopper can improve the carbon footprint of a wine bottle by 30%. We can, with the CO2 capture, cancel, offset the emissions that the glass uh, bottle has created. So that's how important cork could be for the uh, carbon footprint of a, of a wine bottle. It's amazing the turnaround. I mean, and uh, from the conversation that was being had in the 1990s until now is, is just a complete 180. Fantastic. Um, right. And, and the, all the different uses that I had no idea until I started watching some um, videos on, on things that they were doing with cork. It's amazing. Right. Um, special effects on the Hollywood studios because uh, <laughs> special effects. Right. So yeah. when they do these scenarios and these big explosions, I mean, yeah. uh, I either use artificial material or can use a cork conglomerate uh, material that then that cork can be used. The possibility of corks can be recycled is clearly a yeah. way forward to us having more raw material available to provide the growth, making sure that we conclude the circular of the circular economy with cork recycling. So, I mean, there is so much more going for a sustainable product that performs a unique role in the, its various uses. So, I mean, I'm being very limited on, uh, on, on the uses and the applications of cork, but I can be here the whole day talking about uh, the use of cork for uh, uh, electric battery protection on electric cars. No. Uh, uh, we, can, we have now uh, put cork as a floating uh, uh, platform to install uh, solar panels on water reservoirs in our go. country because cork floats and is 40% more sustainable than all the other uh, uh, materials that you can put uh, uh, up there. So, I mean, this is what we have today. But the important yeah. thing is that we will not stop researching new uses, yeah. new applications and new ideas on how can we create more value for this unique raw material that is cork. I told you I was going to I'm going to buy one of these yogurt nests. If you guys haven't seen it, <laughs> I had no idea that this was even a possibility, but yoga to, mats and yoga mats as yeah, well. Yeah. I have yeah. I have some cork yoga products. Yeah. Yeah. Your Blog energy blocks is and different from those days onwards. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I, yeah. Well, we could, that's a whole other show. <laughs> but I mean it is this is uh, uh I'm I'm stuck. This is 
beyond my expectations of what we were going to get out of this show, Antonio, because it is this is a a, a solution to so many of the things that we're talking about, and it seems like cork can replace plastic and all kinds of things, and it way beyond anything having to do with wine, um, and. You know, and it comes from trees that we need more of, not less of. It just like it all makes so much sense. But if we want to be coherent about living in a better planet, there are two things we need to do. We need to consume products with a better carbon footprint. Yeah. I think that cork clearly qualifies. Yeah. But we need also to invest more in carbon sink. And that's where the cork plantations also play a role. Right. So I really think that we are in front of something unique that unfortunately is relatively small but in our part of the world for the industries that we work with it can really change uh, uh, things uh, when you put sustainable development also in perspective it's awesome it's awesome all right i'm gonna open it up to you know the listeners i want we appreciate having you here today thank you for flying in just to do the podcast his first (laughs) first american podcast appearance we got the scoop Nice. Uh, we'll probably we'll win some awards, I'm sure. Of course. <laughs> um, and and listeners, if you have any questions, please send them out to us, and we'll forward yeah, them we'll, to, we'll uh, keep to PJ. In, yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep our cork dork uh, this going because this there's definitely a lot a lot we can talk about in this on this topic. So yeah. it's fantastic. So uh, tell us what else are you doing while you're here? Well, just uh, supporting our people yeah. because we have great teams in uh, in Napa Valley, which is a clearly a, a, a area that has been absolutely crucial for the development of, uh, of of our company. We've been here since 82 and 89, so supporting the local wine industry and watching this fantastic growth that this industry has shown on the last 30 or 40 years, drinking some wine, because and uh, clearly we, we are uh, um, in one of the best uh, wine um, areas in the in the whole world, and we have the experience to travel to other parts uh, of this uh, of this globe and enjoying uh, whatever whatever you have here. I mean, we were discussing this. This is paradise land for somebody coming from overseas. I mean, you really have something uh, unique out uh, out here. Not only the the people, the warmth that you really welcome uh, us into your country, but also everything that you can go for, the climate, the, 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 the landscape, uh, uh, amazing. I mean, uh, love it, love it. Awesome. Well, we ordered the weather just for you, so. Good. Yeah. Enjoy it while you're here. Good timing. Uh, yeah. yeah, the last three weeks were good for the cork tree growth. <laughs> we needed all, all the oak trees are appreciated. All right, well, it's, it, it's looking like you have another appointment, so um, thank you very much for They're being on the show. They're getting restless in the other right, room. Yeah. They're like packing things up. Um, thanks for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah. We'll come, I'll come look for you on Wednesday in Sacramento. Recycle, recycle your corks. Compost your corks. Ah, that's one we thing. We didn't get that, to the cork recycling the, the, thing. It's the one piece okay. that I'm just like really missing is what we're doing with this basket. Um, but it's we'll open it up projects. to discussion um, yeah. with PJ maybe. And and quickly, and maybe Antonio, if you have this answer or, or somebody else, um, how do people, fo- you know, if you want to follow along with what Amram's doing, there's an Instagram account. Yeah. Uh, yep. There is an Amram, Instagram, there's Amram an uh, amarim.com where okay. we have uh, uh, our corporate uh, page with all the business unit, uh, business units there, the new uses, everything that I was cool. telling you about, the carbon footprint, uh, how much uh, of an importance that is to everything that we do. Uh, amarim.com is probably... Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, A-M-O-R-I-M. Right? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Yogurt's <laughs> Nest, Y-O-G-H-U-R-T, <laughs> Nest. Yo, look it up. And you can make yogurt in cork? I'm going to be making yogurt next week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see how this goes. Yeah. Thanks, Antonio. We really appreciate it. Okay, thank, thank you very much, much for the opportunity. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. We are the winemakers. <laughs>